I love it when they sing. Great, great, great. Praise the Lord. Well, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Kings. Thank you, group. And that didn't happen just by accident. Lots of practice, lots of prayer. So thank you for all your efforts. Wonderful. Before I start, I want to thank the ladies and men of the church that's helped with recent funerals. We've had several, and all the extra work and food that you've brought and attendance, setting up, tearing down. Thank you so much. It, it is our privilege to uh, honor those that have passed and have their services here, and of course the luncheons, but I know it's a lot of labor, so thank you. And also those that clean the church afterward. You know, people don't think about things like that, but it's extra work. and. Uh, thank you for ministering as you have and kind of frequently uh, of late, but a lot of a lot of seniors sister Moore went home and of course brother Boca and of course Don and uh, But you did good church. Thank you so much and uh, we pray for God to comfort all of them uh, Tonight I'm going to be in a series again. I started we got to get back to and that's on uh, Workers in the King's Palace. I'm looking forward to preaching there's a message on my heart. I, I want to preach to the men. So listen, everybody else don't discount the message. Kind of, you know, it's for all of us, but I, it's highlighting the men of our church. And we're going to 1 Kings chapter 18 this morning. 1 Kings chapter 18. We'll start in verse 36. 1836. It came to pass at the, <clears throat> the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for another Lord's Day. And Lord, we know that uh, this day has been given the distinction of Father's Day. And I thank you, Lord, first of all, for you, our Heavenly Father, that has been such, such a good Father. You provide, you protect, you've given us Jesus, all the things connected with him, the church, the word, the spirit, the people of God, the joy of the Lord, heaven is our home. Lord, we could go on and on. And Father, I thank you. Uh, you've been a good Father. You're a wonderful Father. And I thank you, Lord, for the fathers that are present here today and the men of the church and, of course, the women and children as well. Lord, we pray this message will be a source of encouragement and instruction to the men and to all of us, Lord, on what you want out of our lives. So bless the preaching of your word. Be with Deaf Church today as well, we pray, and Junior Church. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. My message this morning is wanted real men. That's my message. Wanted real men. Uh, we obviously live in a day where real men are a premium. You don't see uh, men as men once were in our day. Even in the church, we seem to have a lack of 
God's men. Now, I want to thank God for Parkview. We've got a lot of good men in our church. And that's very rare. And I'm thanking you men uh, that you're standing up for God, that you love the Lord, that you love your wives and families. And I just want to tell you thank you, and I appreciate you. But that's not the case everywhere. Men need to today understand their God-given and God, God-ordained roles, not only in the church, but in our society and in our homes today. Amen. And this morning, I want to try to recall to all of us what real men are, where real Christian men are. Amen. For the glory of God and for the good of the gospel. I want to consider on Father's Day here, 2019, that what our God wants and what our God needs us to be is, is very important. And so as men of the church, as men in this auditorium today, perhaps men that will hear this sermon on podcast or, or, or some, some way in the future, I pray they'd understand that God wants all of us men to be real men in Christ. And again, I say to the ladies and to the young people of our church, God wants us to be the people of God that he wants us to be. You have to ask yourself a question today. Am I pleasing the Lord? Am I doing what God wants me to do? And so I pray that you'd listen to the instruction of God's word today. And I hope you're inspired to be more faithful to your God. Again, I want to start out by talking about what God wants and what God needs. So preacher, how do you know what God wants and what God needs? Because he told us in his word some things. The first thing I want you to notice here in 1 Kings 18, our opening text, is that God wants and God needs men who will pray and get a hold of God like old Elijah did. This is the prayer of Elijah. It's crunch time. It's a difficult time. It's a, it's, it, it's, a, it's a sad time. The people of God had gotten away from their God, and Elijah the prophet, as well as all other prophets, they were called of God to get the people of God back in line. To listen to God. You see many times in the scripture where the people of God got away from God, went after other gods, and went up in the groves, and they built altars, and, and they got so far removed from God. Now don't criticize them too much, because in our day we have our little gods too. And God is not pleased when anything's put before him. In this text, the people of God have gotten far away from God, and God chose a man named Elijah. And one of the attributes of this man was his prayer life. He knew how to pray. The results of this man's prayer life are easily seen, not only in this text, but other texts regarding Elijah the prophet. Here we see that he prayed and fire fell from heaven. Boy, what it would have been there to be, that, be there that day and see the fire fall. And I imagine all those prophets, the 700 prophets of Baal, uh, Ahab and Jezebel's group, they were there that day, and, and they were watching, and they were listening, and they were attentive. And, and when he said what he said, when he took the water and poured it on the altar, and, and he made these claims about God, I, I believe most of them said, man, it's, it's never going to work. What a, what a fool. What an idiot. And then the fire fell. And we know what happened. They all fell down and said, he is God. He is God. Jehovah God. And I'll tell you, that wouldn't have happened... Now, God could have done it, but that wouldn't have happened had there not been Elijah that called on the God of heaven to send it. I thank God for Elijah. He was a prayer warrior. He was a powerful man with God. 
He prayed another time in James chapter 5 and verse 1 and James chapter 5 verse 18 relating the story of the Old Testament. said that he prayed and it did not rain for three and a half years. Now this was brought about by his prayer. You remember God was dealing with Ahab and Elijah, their sin and the sin of the nation. And God set a famine to what? To correct them and to chasten them. And thirdly, to bring them back to him. You know, sometimes God brings famines in our life, too, spiritual famines. And we wonder why I don't have the joy of the Lord and why nothing seems to be going on and why we're not growing. and All this stuff we seem to think about or even say. But sometimes the Lord sends famine spiritually by his very hand to get us to look back to him, to get us to get right, get sin out, amen, of our lives. So he prayed and fire fell from heaven. He prayed and it did not rain for three and a half years. James tells us that he prayed again and the windows of heaven were open and it rained, abundantly rained. This guy, this man, this real man, Elijah, he knew how to get a hold of God in prayer. Elijah was a man that completely trusted and depended on his God. We know Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And really, we need to realize that today. Listen, men and women and young people of the church, we can't do anything outside of God. We need God. We need God to work in our lives. We desperately need God. And here was a man that he, he chose to walk with God. He chose to talk with God. He chose to do the work of God. He made these decisions. He made these choices in his life. God used him and blessed him. He brought a nation back to God by his influence, his instruction, his preaching. Elijah was a man that believed God, listen now, could answer big prayers. You know, sometimes I get so rebuked by the Holy Spirit because you know what? We get so used to having prayers answered, don't get me wrong, but not big prayers, not hard things, not miracles. The Bible said not many mighty works were done in that town. Jesus was performing miracles. There was a town that not, not much happened. And sometimes I wonder, even though Parkview is a great church, I believe it's a great church, but sometimes I think we could do even more for the Lord, but not many mighty works. We don't have faith. Oftentimes we're not praying. You have not because you ask not. And the Bible says you, you have not because you ask amiss. You, you want it for self. We're in a day today where everything's about self and getting more and having more. What about more of God? Amen. What about more of the power of God? What about more of the Spirit of God? Is that what we want? I, I think not many times. Elijah was a man that believed God for big answers. You know, he was a man that Ahab and Jezebel wanted dead. And you know, there was, you read the story of Elijah, there were times where he was afraid. Even the prophet Elijah was afraid, but God gave him peace in his heart. And God protected the man of God in a very dangerous time. There were 700 prophets of Baal, and every one of them wanted to get their hands on Elijah. Then there was time in 1 Kings chapter 17 that God provided for him food at the brook Cherith. He was afraid, and he ran. And you know God forgive us when we make bad choices. God forgives us when we don't pray big like we ought to. In spite of ourselves, God is good. And so here's the man, a little afraid, a lot afraid. And he went down to the brook, and now what's going to happen? You know what God did? He, God provided water at that brook. 
And the ravens came and fed them. Amen. And what a miracle of provision God made for the man of God. Because he prayed. And he got a hold of God. God met the need. There was another time in the prophet's life. He didn't know what direction to go, how God was going to meet his needs. And God gave him more food. The more, more food is, it was the widow at Zarephath. I mean, why would God choose a widow woman who had nothing to take care of the man of God? To help her and show her faith, but also to show the man of God, hey, you can pray to me about big things, and I'll answer you. And we see how God took that little woman, that little woman making her last meal, hardly any crews of, uh, no, no oil, no meal left, making her last meal for her and her boy, making a little fire and going to have their cake, and then they're going to die. That was the text. But the crude stayed, the, the oil stayed, and the meal stayed, and God took care of the man of God through a widow woman. What a miracle. That's a big miracle of provision. But Elijah was a man that prayed, but Elijah was a man that he completely trusted, he completely depended on his God, and he was a man that believed God for big answers to prayer. I say to the man of God here in our church this morning, are you a man like that? Are you a man of prayer? A man that trusts God? A man that knows that your provision comes from the hand of the Lord? Oh, I know you work at a good place and we can name where you work. That's great. Thank God for employment. But realize it's the God that gave you that job, that gifted you for that job, that let you keep that job. So, preacher, I'm out of a job. Hey, trust the Lord. He will guide you. He will lead you. He'll put you in the place you ought to be. Amen. This man, Elijah, was a man of God with boldness and confidence and faith. But, you know, those things he went through made him that. We want all of that without any of the pain. We want a great prayer life without any struggles. Let me tell you something. It's the trials and the struggles and the heartache and the sorrow that helps us become the prayer people we ought to be. I know we don't like the struggle, but the result is good. As a man of God, we need to listen to God more. As the people of God, ladies, young people, please listen. We can count on God. But here's the question. Can he count on us? God looked down at Elijah and he saw a man that believed in him. That practiced what he preached. That's the one thing I liked about Brother Roger Henson. He was a man that practiced what he preached. And something else about old Brother Roger, he never changed. You know what I liked about him? He was a man of compassion, and he had a tear in his voice often. And he just was real. And we need real men of God. And we need the men in this room. We see men of God, we automatically think of preachers. No, no, if you're saved, if you're a child of God... Be a man of God. Don't be a whiner. Don't be a complainer. Don't be a hard-hearted. Don't, don't be a compromiser. Be a real man of God. God needs them. They're lacking today. They certainly are. Second of all, God wants and needs men who will endure persecution. Like Jeremiah the prophet. Go to Jeremiah chapter 20. We all know about Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah... He was known as the weeping prophet. 
There's a few reasons why he was known as the weeping prophet, but uh, primarily is all his sufferings that he endured for God. There's a few things that I'll mention. But Jeremiah chapter 20, look at verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Now, Passer, the son of Emir, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. So Passer smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. That's just one little episode. Jeremiah was faithful to preach what God told him to preach. And when he did, there were consequences. Listen, you men of the church, if you're going to be real men of God, you're going to face a certain amount of persecution. People are going to talk about you. People are going to mock you. People are going to belittle you. That's a price paid for walking with God. Our families are not going to like it. Friends are not going to like it. Our, our society is not going to like real men of God. But we need to stand like they stood. We need to teach our, our boys and our young men how to be men. And it's not always about brawn, folks. It's about character and integrity and walking with God. Amen. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet because he endured a lot. For God, and here's the, fact, here's the bad thing, he endured what he endured mostly from the people of God. Hey, you decide to take a stand for God, not everybody in Christendom is going to appreciate it. They're going to criticize you. They're going to think bad of you. They're going to, again, talk behind your back. Who cares? As long as God understands why you're doing it. For him, for him. That's what matters. Yes, Jeremiah suffered many things from the hand of the people of God, the ones he preached to. They didn't like his preaching. They wouldn't regard him. They wouldn't repent of their sin. They wouldn't respond to the preaching. And matter of fact, before he ever went, God said, they're not going to listen to you. Wow, that's a discouraging thing. I've often thought this. Graduate from Bible college and you, you go across to get your diploma and the head of the college says, no, you're going to preach, but nobody's going to listen to you. I mean, you'd probably quit that day. But Jeremiah didn't quit. He just preached the preaching that God bid him to preach. But there were other reasons why he suffered and endured persecution. The people of God broke his heart, but you know, he endured suffering from God, being misjudged and misrepresented. Matter of fact, he wrote that other book, you know, Jeremiah, he wrote another book called Lamentation. And it was about how he lamented, how he wept, how he cried because of the people of God. I'm blessed. I've got a good church. I really do. I know that God has abundantly blessed me with this pulpit for all these years. I am blessed. But there are times as a pastor, I get discouraged because people get offended so easily. People get out of sorts. People want change, and I'm not changing. There's just certain things I'm not changing. And I'll tell you what, sometimes it'd be easier just to say, okay. But, but I can't. I want to be faithful. I want to endure. And listen, it's not always easy. Sometimes, I know you won't believe this, but sometimes I have sleepless nights. And sometimes it's things on my heart, family matters, son that is sick, and 
uh, you worry about your children, your aunt, things like that, finances, my own health situations at times. Yeah, yes, but sometimes, hey, let me let you, sometimes there's people in the church that won't do right. Yeah. Oh, you know, if I was a church member, I certainly wouldn't want to be the guy or the, or the woman that caused the preacher not to sleep for a couple nights. I'll tell you what, you'll face that at the judgment seat of Christ, by the way. But anyway, and I have a good church. I can't imagine what some of these other pastors have to endure. I, I can't imagine. God's been good to me. I go to preacher's meetings, I don't even want to talk. They talk about this and that, and they ask you, Brother Brown, anything good? I hate to tell them the blessing. I hate to tell them about missions going so good. I hate to tell them about the building uh, project going a little slow, but it got money in there, amen. I hate to tell them that everybody ties pretty much at the church. I hate to tell them about people getting saved and baptized, the new families, the young couples, the children. I hate to tell them. I can see it all over their faces. So I don't say nothing. Well, we didn't have anybody this week. Our offerings are down. I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't tell them anything. God's been good to me. But even in that, there have been hard times. I understand just a little bit of what Jeremiah persecuted. He had to endure. He was completely derided, made a laughing stock we find in scripture that they even tried to make several attempts on his life. He's cast in the present. Our, our text says he's cast in a pit full of mire and many other horrible things. Why? Because he stood for God. Because he represented God. Because he would not change the message. We need men of God like that in our church that say, Amen, Pastor, I'm with you. Not pull you aside. Now, now, if we could just do this, Pastor. I'm not saying. Well, don't say it then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if we just get somebody behind the program yeah. and say, yeah, I'm in 100%. Amen. Jeremiah didn't have that. And therefore, he was the weeping prophet. Oh, how we desperately need men of God to stand up for God and take the consequences that go along with it. Oh, you're just a, you're just a yes man for Pastor Brown. You just think, oh, come on. If it's right, it's right. But we need men that will stand up and say, you know what, that's right. Amen. Well, it's getting a little quiet on this point. I thought it would be a good one, but apparently not. But we need real men to be the examples and the admonishment to their families as in days past. And you know what? Listen, church. I know some of you think we're, we're, just, we're just an old dinosaur. I know you think that. But you know, I believe that God hasn't changed his mind on most of the things that are changing today. And I'm not trying to please other brethren, and I'm not trying to please other churches. I'm just trying to please the Lord. And like old Brother Henson, he didn't change. I thought about that preacher. He didn't change. And I think about my pastor. He didn't change. And, and people made fun of him. They mocked him. But I want to be in that crowd. I want to be faithful. We need men in this church like that. Now, I, I'm open to things. Listen, there are new ways to approach things. Yes. New? You say, talk about new at a Baptist church. Everybody has a heart attack. Idea? <laughs> Yeah, you can have an idea every once in a while. 
But folks, we need men that are willing to stay the course. As a pastor, I need you men to be faithful, although you're talked about, persecuted, laughed about, maybe even from your own family. Listen, you can't quit. There'll be a day where they'll need you. They've wandered away, and there'll be a day they come back. The prodigals do come home. And you need to be faithful. Today, I'm thinking also, God wants and needs men that know how to do personal work for God. In the example we'll look at today is Philip. Go to Acts chapter 8, if you would. Now, remember in Acts chapter 8, Philip was a preacher preaching in Jerusalem and there was a great movement of God and God had a job for him to do. God called him to go down the desert. And Acts chapter 8, uh, and we look at verse 29. The Bible says, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself unto his chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and saith, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired, desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before a shear, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speakest thou, the prophet? This of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened the mouth and began in the same, at the same scripture and preached on him Jesus. You know, I'm thinking of this man, Philip. He was a deacon in the early church. He was called to preach. Faithful man. Being greatly used of God. I mean, everything was going good in the church. He was a leader of the church of Jerusalem. I mean, the church is growing. God is blessing. But yet God had one man in the middle of nowhere that was looking for him. The Ethiopian eunuch went to try to find God. And he left, going to Jerusalem, not having the message. And he's on his way back home. And I no doubt discouraged, no, no doubt still wondering about the word that he's reading. He doesn't understand it. And God takes this preacher man, this deacon, this faithful uh, church man, this evangelist of God, and he moves him to the desert to reach one man for Jesus Christ. Right. Folks, there are people out there every day around us, and we don't even realize that God's speaking to their heart, and he's sending one man, one woman, one young person by for the opportunity of that person's life and eternity. We don't see it that way like we like to, we need to see it. And we see that this Ethiopian man was reading and he didn't understand. He said, how can I except some man show me, guide me, show, tell me. And Acts 8.35, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture. That's the book of Isaiah, by the way. And preached unto him Jesus. I'm telling you, Philip knew the word and he was walking with God, and he had a sense of the Spirit. And listen, this man of God knew what he believed, and he didn't have a problem with sharing it. We need men of God like that today. 
There's more knowledge in this room today to save a hundred worlds. Really. But how much is getting out? I preached this morning in Sunday school, taught this morning about the field. You can have the seed in the bag in the barn, but it ain't going to do any good unless you get it sown. And church, God wants men and women, boys and girls, in this local church and all local churches that bear the name of Jesus to share it with others. But we have to be men of faith. We have to be men that are willing to make that stand for God. We have to open our mouths and preach Jesus. And I'm so glad that Philip, listen, I was talking about this this morning. Philip didn't say no to God. God wanted to send him down to Nowheresville. And he didn't say no to God. He went and immediately in the spirit, he's there. He cooperated with spirit. He cooperated with the program of God. Oh, I wish to God we had men and women boys that would cooperate with the spirit of God. Amen. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Young people, listen. God might tap on your heart that he wants you in full-time ministry. What are you going to do? Yes, God, or no, I don't know. That's not what I want to do. That's not what my parents want me to do. Oh, dear God, help us. Parents, please. I'm going to give you some admonition as pastor. Don't get in the way of God with your kids. Just for yourself. Oh, I don't want my grandbabies around me. I, I want my children around me. What if God wants them on the other end of the world? For his gospel. Amen. I'll be honest, I've told the church, there have been times, one of the things about ministry, it's been tough not being around grandbabies. I get it. I understand it. But I'd rather have them in the will of God than my will. My will. Encourage your children. Don't, don't say the first thing out of your mouth. Well, if you go into ministry. You know, my lost father said to me when I told him, he said, oh, you're going to be a gospel hobo and God's people aren't going to take care of you. And I can't believe you're taking away our grandbabies when I went down to Chattanooga to Bible College. But he was lost. I cannot imagine a saved mom and dad telling their kids a similar thing. Amen. And Philip, he obeyed. I thank God he said yes to God. I was mentioning in Sunday school. I thank God that my pastor said yes to God. I thank God that a man like Roger Henson said yes to God. Hey, think of all the people in your life that said yes to God. What if they said no? Where would you be? You know, there have been some people that have made great sacrifices for you and I to get the gospel. This church stands here in this property all these years because there were some people that said yes to God. They gave the offerings. They did the work. They made the sacrifices. And we're blessed today. And, and, and hey, wake up, church. We need to go on and do the things we're planning to do for the next group. Just thought I'd add that. And we're not far. If we could just buckle down and make some sacrifice. And listen, if everybody would get involved, we could meet the goal. And you know what that goal would do? It would glorify God. And it would get the gospel out more. Amen. But we need men that will see the vision and make the sacrifice. Philip could have stayed in Jerusalem, but he didn't. He went. And because of that, one man 
got saved. I, he came back to the meeting, no doubt, and said, Hey, how'd your meeting go? It was great. Who'd you preach to? Thousands? No one. What happened? Well, he got saved. Well, that's good. Like, he wasn't that important. That Ethiopian went back to the continent of Africa. Church history tells us that that one saved Ethiopian African man went back to his people and the gospel was spread all through Africa. Because one man said yes. Oh, we need men today that will get, get at this ministry, get at this preaching, get at this witnessing, get at this uh, thing called obeying the Lord. Amen. I, there's no way I'm going to finish this sermon, so I'll just give you the points. But let me give you one more, and then I'll give you the points. It's 1130, and I understand some of you got probably something in the crock pot for Father's Day. My wife made something special for me. And I came home last night, she made this, this pie. I can't wait to get in that pie. So I understand. But just endure this, and we'll just mention the rest, and we're done. God wants and needs men with zeal for the Lord, like Paul had. Go to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. You know, I'm noticing something. The older I get, the more sermon God gives me that I can't preach. I'm always leaving. I'm always cutting it in half. Or Let me get past this point. Acts 17, 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, the spirit was stirred in him. And when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry, you see, it broke his heart. <clears throat> well, side note, when was the last time the Spirit of God moved in you? How long has it been since you sensed that God was speaking to you? Maybe in the middle of the night. Maybe when you're driving in your vehicle all alone. I don't know when. Maybe out in the yard. Maybe at work. And you feel the stirring of the Spirit of God. If that doesn't happen anymore, you should beg God for it back. Thank God for that. Drop down to chapter 17. Drop down to verse 22. And the Bible said, Then Paul stood, there's that great crowd, in the midst of Mars Hill, and he said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that all things, ye are too superstitious. I, I assume they really appreciated that. Verse 23. For I, as I passed by, and behold your devotions, I found an altar on, in with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Wow, what zeal. I've been to Europe on a few mission trips. I've been over there to see my kids, obviously. And uh, in a lot of those cities, they all have a city, city square or city circle. If you've ever been over there, you see that. And when they go there, big things happen on the weekends. They, they set it all up there, just like they would here in a small town. You know, the, the tents go up and they're selling their wares. But it's in old Europe, it's in a big square or a circle, right in the smack dab in the middle of town. And there'll be people there selling stuff. There'll be people singing. There'll be people politicizing, speaking. And every once in a while, there'll be a preacher out there preaching. Paul went to this place of assembly called Mars Hill. And there were all kinds of people with all kinds of ideas, all kinds of beliefs. And Paul lifted up his voice. He said, I perceived. And then he said, you folks are ignorant of something. Good night. How can you say that? 
He said, let me tell you about this unknown God you have a statue over here for. And he preached Christ. He had a zeal for the Lord. He was bold. How bold was he? Well, God gave him the opportunity to preach to a king named Agrippa, to a governor named Felix. He preached to the Pharisees, the temple guards, people in the street, the marketplaces, synagogues, everywhere. Small groups, large groups. Paul was zealous for God. We, we need to be zealous for God, men. Speak up for Jesus. Wherever you might be, you get an opportunity, take the opportunity. I was on a plane coming back yesterday afternoon. I sat down next to this man. He looked up at me and he said, how's your day, sir? Who does that? I said to him, I said, good, how's yours? Fine, sat down, very friendly. And uh, he said, I said, why are you going to Detroit? He says, I have a gig. I said, a gig? Are you in music or something? He said, oh yeah, music and other things. He said, I'm a comedian. And I thought, oh, this will be fun. <laughs> and I said, well, you could tell. I, I said, I'm a pastor. He said, how long are you a pastor? And I said, well, about 38 years. I've been a pastor for 28 years. And he said, well, that's wonderful. I said, maybe you could tell me some clean jokes. I need some new ones. And he says, well, I'm a Christian comedian. I said, oh, that's even better. And he told me his story. He'd been on Grand Ole Opry. He'd been on all, all these shows and that. I looked at his website. Man, he's been everywhere. And he is a funny guy. I enjoyed his fellowship. But what I liked about him was the first time he saw me. How's your day, sir? So the girl coming by with the water and the coffee that come down the center aisle of the plane, giving those things out, she pulled up and he said, Young lady, how's your day? I hope you're having a good, just positive, friendly and I said to him, I said, you know, I appreciate you. you made that, you said that to me, you said that to her. He said, preacher, that opens up doors so I can talk to people about Jesus. He's just as bold as anything. What a blessing. Instead, listen, we got people, how's your day? Well, it's terrible. I had my back, gallbladder. That's a majority. How's your week? Let me tell you. I don't like this, and I don't like that. No wonder you never win anybody to God. No wonder. We come across like we're having the worst day. We're going to hell, but we're not. We're going to heaven. We should act like it. But that was such a blessing to me. I sat on that plane for an hour and 15 minutes, and I laughed. He said, tell me a few jokes. I told him my old jokes that you folks don't laugh at anymore. But he laughed. He said, I'm going to use that one. I told him four, but he only told me about using the one. But anyway, <laughs> what I liked about him, I felt it right away. He was bold for Christ. And he was happy about it. Amen. He had a zeal for the Lord. Let me add, we need men and women and young people that have a zeal for the Lord, that have the joy of the Lord, that can tell somebody about how to have a good day and talk to them about Jesus. Oh, I got so much to say, and I'll close this way. Listen, Father's Day, 2019. We need men to preach like Peter preached. Oh, boy, Peter preached. We need men that will rebuke sin like John the Baptist. Stand up for God. Tell people when it's wrong. 
This world will tell you about all their fornicating. They'll tell you about all their isms. They'll tell you about how homosexuality is okay. It, they're bold to tell you all that, and we just sit there and go, oh. Let's be bold. They'll tell you they believe in murdering babies. Tell them, no, it's wrong. It's wicked. It's a God of God. You know, we can stand up and still be, we can be nice people, but let's stand up. John the Baptist, he came and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And saying the time was fulfilled and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. It's time to get back to doing that. We need men and women that will warn the lost. Like Amos of old who said, prepare to meet thy God. And lastly, I thought, we need men and women and children, especially men today. Messages for men that love like Jesus. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Our Lord loved sinners, and he loved his men. Amen? People will respond to love. He'll resp Sometimes we forget that. Jesus was a man of compassion. Jesus was a man of integrity. He said, but he was God. Yeah, but he was the God-man. So when he did these things, he did them to show us that in our humanity, we could be like Christ. Amen. My thought is this. Give us such men today. And I want to say again, Parkview has exemplary men. I thank God for so many men of God in our church. Men that are doing right in their marriages, men that are doing right by their families, men that are working in the local church, men that are standing for God. I, I thank God for that, but we need more. And we can do more for the cause of Christ. So Father's Day 2019, let's decide to be real men for God. Let's bow our heads if we would, every head bowed. Maybe there's someone here today that needs to repent of their sins and trust Jesus as Savior. Maybe you've come here today and you're not sure. The Bible says, but as many as receive him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Will you come and receive Christ?